We only got one life, so it's time to live it for. I don't hesitate, I embrace every day. Cause we only got one life, so it's time to live it for. It's not about trying to achieve more again, but rather how to lose and let go. Let me explain. Once you let go of all things that aren't significant, you'll be left with everything that is truly important. I'm living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. This is another episode of the podcast. Live it for. Hey, welcome to the Live It Full Podcast. I'm Richard. I'm your host in the studio. And this week we're going to do a question and answer segment from our Facebook group, Live It Full, the community. Um, a little housekeeping first. If you've listened to the podcast, you like us and you still haven't left a five-star review, go do that right now. Right now. Go do it. Apple, Spotify, wherever you can leave us a review, do it. If you like us on social media, if you follow us, go share us with your friends and family. Like I said, we're going to do a Q&A today. I asked some questions, got some good ones, or I asked people to give questions, got some good ones from some of our followers, some of the people that we talk to on a regular basis inside our group, some that we don't. Um, I was really happy with the uh, the level of uh, questions that we got, but without further ado, I'm going to start with that. Okay, so Tasha asked, what's the hardest part of you and your wife both running your own businesses? I, I'm going to start with that. She goes into a few more questions, but scheduling. I mean, I think that that's almost always the biggest deal is making sure that we're on the same page. And I think that the the hardest part is making sure that we have good communication and that we talk to each other about things and we know what's going on um, or we get double booked. We end up with um, being reactive versus proactive on, um, you know, whether it's uh, an event that we have to be at for our children or a school function, something like that, um, reminding each other of those things. But the hardest part is it's hard to run businesses on your on your own, let alone multiple. I mean, there's just nothing easy about it. I don't know that there's a hardest part. I think that it's it's mostly it's like that scheduling side and making sure that we uh, make time for each other as well as the kids and that we stick to our faith, family, finance, fitness mantra, getting those four things in daily. How do you manage all the things? Well, I think I answered that. I mean, I think a lot of it's scheduling. I'm not inherently, um, the ADHD side of me is not inherently a scheduler. So I work really hard at trying to schedule um, using color coordinated calendars. I'm probably a little bit more crazy in that than Caitlin is even, and she's much more structured than I am. Um, but I think that that's a big part of it is you, you almost have to zero budget time and know where you're spending it and when. Um, if you're both going to have different careers, what would you do? Looking forward to this. Thanks, uh, Tasha, for that question. I can tell you that um, I, Caitlin's not in the studio with me today, but I can tell you her answer would be, and she would say, I crushed her dreams a long time ago because I told her I didn't think it was feasible. And now I've probably changed my mindset and that it is. I had limiting beliefs when we discussed it when we were younger, probably in our early 20s. But Caitlin always wanted to be a, a pilot. And so I think that without a doubt, that would be the route that she would go. Um, and maybe someday she'll get to do that if she still chooses to, I mean, our priorities have changed, but I know that's something that was always on her heart. Um, and I think I squashed that cause I told her it was pretty hard to do for a, for a, we may, but she may, we may have had one kid for a, for a young mom to be able to take the time and put in the hours and, and do those things. Um, now I know that you can it takes money and time Two things that you can, can't create more time, but you can figure it out and you can always find the money. Um, what I would do if, um, and I look at this, not just as different careers, but if like money wasn't an issue or if like you were just chasing your dream, 
I would probably breed and uh, train bird dogs and guide hunts. Um, now, I don't know, would that become a job at that point of view, a point in time when it's not fun? I don't know. I think I still would enjoy it. I enjoy um, following dogs when they're, when they're hunting and working and not hunting. Um, being the one hunting anyways, I do enjoy working the dog. So I don't think it would ever be a job in that regard. And then Tasha also asked, because we've talked about it for a while, um, when are the crew necks of the Libitful clothing line coming out? Hopefully in the spring, I say, hopefully it is on our list of things that we want to do. We've got to find the right shirts and the right cut, um, that work for that. Um, my buddy Drew Lane is, is helping us through that process. All right. Next question came from. Marie, who in full disclosure is my first cousin, um, but we do talk a lot of business and she's a big part of our group at Live It Full, the community. If you need a good home on Facebook to find a positive, uplifting group, we are there. Um, She said, when things are not going as planned and we all know that's going to happen, how do you keep yourself out of the frustration funk and to keep grinding? So I'm not always the best at this. You'll... you know, you, you hear us talk about um, how do we do things. And it always seems like we probably have our stuff together. And that's not intentional because we don't ever want to mislead people. I can tell you that I can handle a lot. My shoulders are broad. I used to think that I was Superman. I could do it all. I can do that until I can't. And what I mean by that is my cup can hold a lot, but once it's full, I may explode. And so I have to be very careful in the frustration side of not letting it get full or it'll overflow. And it's one of those deals. It's like and the saying um, that I've heard, and it's not necessarily directly linked to this, but it makes me think about it is if you don't heal what cuts you, you're going to bleed on people that didn't hurt you. I think it's the same thing. Um, I can be frustrated about every other thing in the world. And it's going to be one thing that sets me off that had nothing to do with any of it. And I may take it out on my wife or children when I don't mean to. And so how do you keep yourself out of the frustration funk and keep grinding? I think a big part of it is our prayer life. Um, When things are not going well, you pray. When things are going well, you pray. When things are not either, you pray. I think we have a tendency to pray when things are bad, not when they're always, when they're good. And it's getting into that habit and talking to, talking to God and taking it to, taking it to him. But I also think that, um, like Zig Ziglar said, motivation is kind of like uh, taking a bath. You got to do it every day for it to work. You know, you can't do it once. Can't take a bath once and think you're clean forever. You can't. Motivation doesn't last. So I try to read 15 to 30 minutes a day of something that uplifts me. Or I listen to a blink, um, which I shared our, our Blinkist affiliate link. If anybody's interested in that, um, check out the app. Blinkist. Um. Shameless plug there. But I mean, I think that to keep grinding, you have to stay a little bit on edge. I mean, you've got to. So those are their business owners. If you're not, you may not understand it. We're all a little tweaked and we have a tendency to overwork. And so I think part of that is taking that step back and looking at for us. And it's what we think everyone should be. um, We try to prioritize. So when, when I know that I am getting in a frustrated funk, I go back to the basics faith, family, finance, fitness. I, if I'm neglecting my faith and my family because of something going on at my my um, businesses, then that's probably one of my problems. So I go back to basics. I reevaluate. I try to start over, try to go to prayer, spend time with the family. We'll call it recharge, but it's a quick deal sometimes. Sometimes it's you can't go spend a week on the beach because that's not recharging to me. Recharging to me may be 
listening to Eric Thomas for a couple hours or going to a seminar for a day or just spending some time with the kids. So to me, that's how we do it. Um, I hope that answered it, Marie. But it's kind of kind of where I am. Caitlin might have a different answer on that, and I hope to get her back in the studio during the fall. Um, summers are a little crazy for us with our schedules. Um, then we had Brian who asked us, what are your thoughts on multitasking pros and cons? So I think that people um, view high-level, very efficient, successful individuals as being great at multitasking, and I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. I think there's a really common misconception that multitasking is a good thing. I have gotten to a point in my life where I think multitasking is terrible because I can't do it. Now, maybe there are people out there that do it well. I've always read the, or heard that women multitask better than men. I know that I do not. It Maybe it's the ADHD brain, neurodivergence. Like Maybe I'm just wired different. I don't do it well. I can't. Now, I think I can, or I thought I could, I guess is a better way to put it, because now I understand that I can't. So my deal is I think almost multitasking is almost always a con. I think you need to focus on something in like whatever you're working on, you focus on it with 100% um, of what you're doing for that time frame, And you will get things more things done than trying to do five things at once. If you've got 15 browser tabs open on your computer and you're trying to work and toggle back and forth between things that don't jive together, you will, your brain gets worn out. You get decision fatigue. By the end of the day, you're spent. I think if you if you were if, if you had five tasks to do instead of trying to do them all at once, or even two things at once, you focus on them individually. And I know that that's been a game changer for me in my life and how I feel. Um, because there's points like where I have to make a phone call, and it in my daily grind, I have to call um, you know a call center pretty occasionally and ask some questions, talk to you know underwriters and and service people. But you have a phone tree. And I'll get so busy doing something else. It'll ask me like, you know, press one for this, press two for that. I don't even remember what I'm calling about because I got to doing something else. And so I have to really like really go back and reset. What was I doing? And so I don't think that I think there's some people that may do it better than others. It doesn't work for me. I try to set a time specifically aside for very, you know, specific task. Um, and that works for me. Um, I don't, I, I just, I'm not a fan of what we consider multitasking. I think it ruins people's productivity in general. Okay. Eunice asked us, and she knows us really well, but um, do you and Caitlin ever get to sleep with everything y'all do? Um, for those of you, if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, Caitlin and I have a couple of businesses, or I guess three or four, um, depending how you look at it, real estate, um, insurance agencies, and then live it full. Um, and four kids. And we just built a house and have some rentals and, you know, life's busy. Um, yes, we sleep. I think that sleep is super important. I think that you should get whatever your body needs to function correctly. I think you go much less than six hours a night. You may feel okay for a while and you, but I don't think it's good for you long-term. I think sleeping more than probably eight is not good for you either, but you need to figure out what works for your body. How do you feel after a certain number of sleep. I know that Elon Musk, and he may not be the best example because, well, he is kind of crazy. Let's just be honest. But he, a lot of people think that he wouldn't sleep much because there's a lot of high-level entrepreneurs that don't. He does. I mean, he, he says he sleeps between six and seven hours a night, which is a lot for somebody in that position. Um, but I think that he, he, he acknowledges that if he sleeps less than that, he's not as, as functional. And getting good sleep, I think, is part of it. If 
Um, one thing that I've tried to do, and I've tried to use blue blocking glasses, um, blue light really is not good for your circadian rhythms. If you get into biohacking, there's a couple books out there like Bulletproof Exec from Dave Asprey and some of his other books that really talk about um, what we call biohacking with trying to get the best performance out of your body. Sleep is disrupted by blue light. We have blue light all around us now from fluorescence to you know appliances to phones. Phones are a big spot of blue light. That's why Apple, if you... Um, on your iPhone, you can normally like you can turn on the night mode and it's a softer, like a yellower color because it gets rid of the blue light. Um, everything I've read says you need to not have a screen in front of you like an hour before bed and you'll sleep better. Um, the other part of it is use melatonin, whatever works for you. Um, I generally do. Um, I have melatonin gummies I take before bed with some other natural ingredients that are supposed to help sleep. I do feel like I sleep better when I take those things. So I think that some of it's not about, do you get to sleep? Yes. Um, but you need quality sleep in there as well. I would rather take six hours quality sleep versus eight hours of me tossing and turning. And somebody asked, where can I find your podcast? It's a great question from somebody in our community where I post it all the time. It just means that they're not seeing it because the algorithm that Facebook puts out there hasn't put it in front of them. The easiest place to find everything is liveitfool.com. You can find our links to every social media we have to podcast videos, our YouTube, our Instagram. Um, you can buy some merchandise. Same. Help us out. Um, it's all there. You can find it on Spotify, Apple. If you just search Live It Full, it, it's the only one that pulls up there. Um, Michael asks, is there anything you could personally take away from our community and share with other communities in our country? And what would that be? So I'm thinking locally. I'm not talking about like necessarily social media communities, although I think that they are a very important thing in our world now to connect people. We live in a global world that's more connected than ever. Um, I have friends all over the world that I've met just on social media, have met in person now at different events, um, but I wouldn't have some of those friendships and networking without it. But let's talk about locally. Um, Caitlin and I live in a really pretty small community, fairly rural. Um, well, we're very rural compared to how you look at it. I I mean, I think we have 10,000 in the city, probably 15,000 in the county. Um, closest city with a population over a hundred thousand would be like 30, 35, 40 miles away. So with that being said, we're pretty rural. One thing that I would take away from our community is simply, I mean, just that community, what you find in smaller places sometimes is a sense of community. When you know people, when you know your neighbors, when you know the people around you and you can talk to them and you have a network of a support system, even, you know, of, of friends, family who can help you while I think it does take, I mean, I think that you, you individually are ultimately responsible for your, your own well being and your children and your family and doing everything. It takes a village, right. To raise children. I think that extreme independence that we see from people in bigger cities sometimes um, is a detriment to society. Um, you look at people that'll walk by somebody being stabbed or or hit or get into a fight on the subway and they walk by because they don't want to deal with it. And I and understand some of that personal safety is a big deal and it's not your fight, right? But I think in smaller communities, you do have a lot more of that sense of neighbors and that sense of, I know where we live. We know almost all of our neighbors. Um, and, you know, most of them aren't close to us because we're, we're out on land. Um, but we know all of them and they would all... And vice versa, I think we'd all help each other out if we ever needed anything. And we all offer, um, had a neighbor offer me his, his cargo trailer to help us move his enclosed car hauler, which was very, very much appreciated. He just texted me and said, Hey, I know you're moving. If you need to use it, come get it. I appreciate that. I think that I look at some of our friends in, in Dallas or Houston 
or some of these other markets and that, and they may not go to church um, is part of it, I think. And then they go to work and they come home. They don't have a lot of close connections because of that. At least that's what I've seen. They don't have a lot of necessarily people around them that, that form a network of um, support system. And I think that's really important. I think in smaller communities you get that. So if I could export anything to anywhere else, I think um, taking that sense of community that we have where we are and knowing that if something needs to get done on a community level, we know the people to contact and we know the people who will donate and volunteer time to make something happen. All right. So Steps for Success is a, uh, a coaching a gentleman I know. He runs a business called Steps for Success. He asked on here, how do you overcome or hop over a stalemate in business? And does this mean you have to refocus or redirect? I think in business, um, there's the old adage, like you got to try, 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 try again and just do it till you get it right. But then there's also the, if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, is that insanity? And so I think you have to understand that dichotomy of repeating the same processes and making sure that if you got the same outcome two or three times, why now do you continue to do it? No. Now, if you know that the input was wrong or something should have changed or could have been different, that could result a different outcome. Absolutely. I'm in sales. I've been in sales my entire life. I'm going to fail nine out of 10 times. So I'm kind of in that habit that I'm going to keep running, keep grinding, keep doing it until I make that sale. How do you overcome a stalemate? Sometimes you got to shake it up. Uh, there used to be a, uh, I mean, I'm in sales. I've done some sales training in my life. I mean, I've put it on, I've been to a ton of it. Um, it's probably one of my wheelhouses. I should spend more time on helping people in. Um, but there used to be this show on a and I think, as a long time ago called King of Cars. And every once in a while, the dealerships would just be like, oh, we got to do a shakeup. I mean, they might terminate people who weren't performing. They might change teams up. They might change what they were doing. They might change incentives. I think that to stay relevant, you've always got to be reinventing yourself, um, not only as an individual, but as a business. Like if you continue doing things the same way that you've always done them, you're going to fail. And so when you're in a stalemate or when you're when you're trying to overcome something, you do sometimes have to refocus. Sometimes you have to look at it from the outside. Sometimes you need a mentor to step in and say, and to look at things from a high level. You know, uh, there's the old saying that sometimes you can't see the forest because of the trees. When you're in your business, when you're working in your business, you, it's hard to work on your business. And what I mean by that is when you're in the forest, you can't see. Sometimes you have to get high level in it. And so I try to spend as much time working on my business, if not more than in my business. So that's training, that's coaching, that's mentoring, that's evaluating processes, that's budgeting, that's payroll, those things that are necessary, but also not, they don't always impact the bottom line directly, although they do, it's more indirectly. But so sometimes I will, when I'm having a stalemate or something's not going right, or I feel like I'm not getting the results I want, I will try to get a high level view of it. I will try to pull myself out of the situation. Now, for you solopreneurs, that's a lot harder to do by yourself. And so what I would recommend if you don't have any employees or the ability to step out of your business and look in, that that's where a mentor can come in or a business coach or a consultant can come in and help you look at things from a different perspective because they're going to be able to see the tops of the trees that you're missing because you're in the forest. So, I mean, I think that that's going to be one of the biggest ones um, that I could tell you is, is have somebody else look at it with you. Um, if anybody ever needs help with that, that is something that I do on a consulting basis. Um, first call is going to be free after that. You got to pay to play, but I will help you find out where your, where your gaps are, where your, where you could overcome some things. It's part of what I do. 
and you know, something I do for people, love it full.com has some info on there. Um, I had one other question. Um, it was a message. It wasn't put up publicly. So I'm not going to say who sent it, um, just in case, but she had mentioned that, um, when, when she was in school, there was a lot of memorization. Uh, maybe we, and I, and I would agree that when we were in school, there was too, there was times tables. There was, um, when I was in high school chemistry, I had to learn valences and the periodic table and, and, and all of those kind of things. And it actually, I, it made college chemistry for me having a biology and chemistry background in college made it really simple for like chem one and chem two, uh, my intro level, um, chem for majors because I, I had to memorize it in high school. It's, you know, so she has, she thought she was asking me what I thought about that. Cause that's kind of gone away in a lot of fronts. Is that hurting our, our next generation, not knowing things by memory. And so I see it two different ways. I say, yes, it probably is. But the flip side of that is we have more information at our fingertips. Got a phone in my hand right now. I've got a laptop in front of me. We've got more information at our fingertips than in any time of history. Probably all history combined up until the last five years wouldn't. We've got more information available right this second. I can pull it up. I remember teachers telling us, well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. Huh, joke's on you. I do. I don't know. I mean, I think that that's a, I can do, I mean, I've, I've got a 10B2 calculator, which is a, a financial calculator on my phone that I use all the time that does loan amortizations really easily. I can plug in three variables, get the fourth one, whether it's interest, um, time, principal, or payoff, you know, payment. I can figure out any of that really quick. I don't have to use a spreadsheet. I don't have to go to a, you know, something fancy. I, I don't have to do it by hand. So yes, there is value in memorization. And I think that it probably does put us at a disservice at some level, but at the end of the day, we have access to information unlike ever before. And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, unless we go into a dark age of, of, of a nuclear war, potentially, where you disrupt everything, you may not have access to it. But at the end of the day, in a situation where we don't have access to the internet due to hardship, does it really matter if you know what 12 times 12 is? Or if you know that where carbon is on the periodic table. I don't think so. No, I think there's probably some value to it. If that's your industry, I know real estate. I have things memorized. I know what things cost. I know what they, how big something generally is a standard size. Uh, and it's not because I sit down and memorize it. I've just done it enough. So no, I don't know that it's a good or bad thing. So I know I probably didn't answer that question directly as much as I should have, but I I'm on the fence on it because does memorization and being able to spout something off for a test actually translate to intelligence? Probably not in a lot of fields. Now, I wish people knew how to count better. Wish people could give you change correctly without having to think too much about it at a grocery store or a restaurant. But then again, are we moving away from a cash-based society? Now, one thing that does scare me a little bit is, and I've worked with my kids on wearing watches and understanding analog time because I am a, I'm a watch guy. I love watches. And I've always read that statistically, it's funny, successful people wear watches, um, whether it's a digital watch now or not, because time's valuable. You need to know what time it is. Well, some people will argue. 
I've got a, I've got a clock right here in my pocket. Same with the calculator. I always know what time it is. I still love wearing a watch. I like to know what time it is, but I also, it, part of it is that it does remind me that time is our most valuable asset. And I'm serious with that. I'm not, it's not lip service. Like I look at my watch and I, I do think consciously about that. Um, but I know a lot of kids that can't tell analog time on a clock, which is kind of scary. But then again, has technology changed it to where, when would we ever need to? So I see both sides of that. I don't know that that's the best answer I can give you, but it's one of them. All right. That's the questions we got on there. We'll do another Q&A next month. Hopefully, Caitlin will be in here with me and she can answer some because I know y'all do love hearing from her. Go to the website, liveitfull.com. Buy some merchandise. You'll love it. It's, um, I do want to comment on that real quick because it's something that it's hard when you're not buying something retail in a store to feel it. But Caitlin and I really, we worked hard to find the right shirts for what we loved and what we think others will love. So they're not your $5, um, 50, 50 blend t-shirts. These are really nice cut, high quality shirts. So they cost a little bit more, but try one. You won't regret it. You'll buy more in the future. Um, Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we appreciate y'all. We hope you continue to live the message of live it full. Put your faith, family, finance, fitness in order, and everything else will fall into place. God bless. We love you and continue to live it full. You you just listened to this entire episode. That means you gained some type of value. So make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Living Full. Living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. Make sure you embrace every single day. And we'll see you next time on the Living Full Podcast.